Welcome to the Family Law Now podcast. I'm Russell Alexander. Today we're going to talk about case conferences, top 10 tips and questions that clients have or would like to know about case conferences. Today we're joined by lawyer extraordinaire and boy wonder, Adam Boyer. Hello, everybody. Nice to speak to you today. Thanks for joining us. So question number one that I often get from clients is, what is a case conference? So help me out here, Adam. So the case conference is the first step of the court process. So when the applicant has filed the application and the respondent has then filed their answer, the parties will then get a case conference where they will be before a judge. And there are several uh, purposes of a case conference. One is to ensure that there is relevant information and evidence has been disclosed to the court. That could include financial information or any other information that the court may need. At the case conference, both parties will get a chance to try to settle the case. Oftentimes, uh, what will happen is a judge will give recommendations or opinions as to how they think uh, the matter should be resolved. And then they will often tell the parties to try their best to go go outside and try to resolve the issues. Um, The judges will also identify the main issues that are in dispute and do their best to try to resolve some of the minor issues that are that are on the table. So let's break it down. We start a court case, Correct. right? Uh, my client's documents are issued. This is the first opportunity for them to see a judge in a gown in a courtroom. Um, and that's uh, an opportunity where the judge is going to read their file, right? Yes. The lawyers are going to file some briefs. Yes. And then the lawyers will hopefully identify what they think are important issues or what they need help with. Yes. And then the judge is going to provide a recommendation. Yeah, so what will happen is the applicant and and or their lawyer will get an opportunity to speak to the judge and give their side of the story. And then the respondent or the respondent's lawyer will then get an opportunity to do the same. Um, the judge may, ha- may have a few questions for the respondent uh, or the applicant and or their lawyers. And then they will um, kind of give their ideas to where they think the case may be headed, give some ideas as to how they think the matter can, can be resolved. Now, we may talk about this in a few minutes, but the idea is case management. So ideally, if we have the resources, you could be seeing the same judge every time. Yeah, that's the best case scenario. So that way, uh, the judge will be involved from the beginning, ultimately close to at least as far as, far as possible. Um, they will um, be involved in the, in the case throughout uh, every step of the way up until a possible trial uh, and or motions. So that way they're familiar with the matter, they're familiar with the issues at hand, and they can kind of follow it along um, every step of the way. So is that judge going to hear my trial? Uh, no. So the matter, uh, the judge who is seeing the case conferences and potential settlement conferences down the road um, will not be the judge in trial. It'll be a whole new judge which, uh, with a whole new approach um, to, to the matter. So I often get clients when I'm preparing them for case conferences. Um, They uh, say, is this going to be my last day in court? Am I going to get what I want? Is that, what do you do about managing expectations of clients? So it all depends whether or not it's going to be the last court date. Unlikely it will be. Um, Oftentimes at a case conference, um, there are simply recommendations made. The parties may agree on some issues. They may agree on all the issues. It's really up in the air. Oftentimes, the parties um, will get some ideas as to how to resolve the issues, potentially resolve one or two issues, um, but still have some outstanding issues that have to be dealt with. 
If all issues are dealt with at a case conference and the matter um, can be resolved at that time, then that's fantastic, but uh, that's really um, rare for that to happen. Right. That leads us into our second point or our second tip or question. What types of orders are going to be made at a case conference? What can clients expect? So judges' uh, hands are often tied at a case conference. They're not allowed to order this, um, you know, things like custody or access or, or things like that. Um, they can order um, disclosure of documents, um, potentially questioning of, 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 um, of parties. They can uh, make orders on consent. That means that if the two parties agree on specific issues, then uh, the judge can make that order. But otherwise, uh, the judge's hands are tied at a case conference. Right. They can make administrative orders. Correct. Dealing with disclosure, Correct. timing of documents. But anything substantive that's going to affect somebody's rights, um, that would usually go to a motion, not a case conference. Correct. That may go to a motion or, a, or ultimately at a trial later on down the road. So question three, or often clients will come and say, okay, uh, they're really anxious when they go to court. They don't know what to expect. Uh, most people have a fear of speaking publicly uh, and they're anxious because they're dealing with their family and their kids. Yeah. Are they going to be required or are they going to have an opportunity to speak at the case conference? Oftentimes, if you have retained a lawyer, the lawyer will do uh, most of the talking on your behalf. It's possible that a judge may uh, seek some clarification on an issue or two from the from the actual client and if that's the case they may be asked one or two questions uh, again if that is the case you will you will be expected to stand up and speak to the judge um, but ultimately uh, most of the uh, most of the talking will be left to the lawyer great stuff so the fourth question we often get or the fourth um, tip we have is who else will be in the courtroom and what is their role so in front of the judge you'll have a person called a court registrar they organize the, for, the, the file for the judge. They call matters when they're ready. There'll be a court reporter in the room. He or she will be in charge of ensuring that the proceeding is uh, recorded. Um, most case conferences and settlement conferences are recorded, but the transcripts are usually not made available to the public unless you get an order from the judge to release them. There will also be somebody uh, sitting next to the judge off to the side that's called a court services officer. We call them a CSO. Their job, among other things, will be to assist with court security. They'll assemble lawyers and their clients when the case is getting ready to call, be called. The judge makes an order, an endorsement. Oftentimes, they'll make a copy of that and walk it out to uh, the parties or their lawyers who are waiting in the hallway. And they also escort the judge uh, to and from court back to the judge's chambers and provide general security. So the fifth question we often get, or the fifth tip, um, what happens in chambers? So clients go to court, yep. they see, sometimes they see the lawyers bantering about, they may be uh, talking about something unrelated to their case. And then all of a sudden the CSO that we just talked about gets the lawyers, they disappear, mm -hmm. they go through a door in the back of the courtroom into something called chambers. Mm -hmm. What is that? So chambers can be referred to as either a judge's office or simply a small room outside the main courtroom that uh, the judge will use uh, to have you know discussions or meetings with. Um, the role of, of chambers is for the lawyers and the judge to have off-the-record discussions regarding the case. So they um, will be able to speak to the lawyers 
kind of give their ideas to where the case is headed, uh, ask the lawyers a few questions regarding um, some procedural issues, some substantive issues. Really, really, there's there, the, the, the discussions are endless in terms of what can be discussed in chambers. Um, but oftentimes, when lawyers want to discuss things in chambers, um, it's, it's simply so that way they can um, have these discussions without um, the client at hand and, and to right. talk about things kind of off the record. Yeah, it's a more informal discussion, I find. I find when we do a full case conference, uh, sometimes you'll get some grandstanding and some bravado by right. the lawyers. Um, the brief is going to be very substantive. And in an open case conference, oftentimes lawyers feel compelled to go through their whole brief. Right. And then the other lawyer feels compelled to go through the whole brief. So what could be potentially a 20-minute discussion in chambers is now a one- or two-hour right. case conference. Right. It's a way to get things done um, uh, probably quickly and, right. and more efficiently. So. Exactly. And, and when you're in chambers, um, the judge really gets the wheat from the shaft. Says, right. okay, what are the issues here you need help with? Especially right. if you've got experienced family lawyers. There's probably a factual issue or a legal issue that's unique. And we can really narrow the issues down to two, three salient points. Right. What really are the important things in this right. matter? And the right. judge will tell the lawyers what their view is. The lawyers oftentimes will then leave chambers. They'll meet with their clients privately, caucus and discuss what was said. And most times, judges will then open up court and ha have a much more abbreviated conference. Right indicating these are my recommendations, I've listened to your lawyers, right. uh, here's what I would do in your case. Yeah. So you still get a chance to hear from the judge, but instead of being in an hour and a half hearing, mm -hmm. it might be down to 10 or 15 minutes. Right. All right, so the sixth point, um, I kind of touched upon this, the role of court security. The, as I indicated, the CSO is the court services officer. They mainly assist the judge. There's also uniformed security officers in most buildings. Some buildings will have members of the local police force. Um, more uh, populated centers, you're, the higher the security is going to be, uh, in, in my experience. Right. And, if, uh, and if, there's, if there's a volatile situation in the courthouse or in the courtroom, then they may bring an extra security to help that's deal right. with the issue. Um, so for example, if there's an issue of a restraining order, or if a restraining order right. has been issued, security will sit in the courtroom um, to assist in case things get out of control. And that will alleviate a lot of you know potential clients' concerns about right. their own security. But in terms of what to expect, uh, I, th I would say it's not quite airport security, but you may be subject to... Um, a search, there may be uh, metal detectors, right. there may be a lineup to get through security. It's certainly not going to be like Pearson Airport right. or a major airport, but you can expect to maybe wait 10 or 15 minutes. Because don't forget the court is the same as the court uh, for the criminal matters as well, right. so they want to make sure that anybody attending the criminal matters has to go through a potential security as well. Being a unified court, that's Correct. exactly right. So the seventh question we often get, um, or the seventh tip, you know, clients want to say, can I bring somebody for moral support? Or the new partner, the new girlfriend or boyfriend, so yeah. might say, I want to sit in the courtroom. Sure. You know, add to sort of the excitement of the day. What can clients expect? Well, I mean, we often get asked whether or not they can bring a friend or family member, and we, we fully support um, anybody bringing anybody along for moral support. The only thing is that they have to understand is oftentimes if they're bringing a new spouse or a new partner, 
that may cause some tension um, with the other um, co-partner or co-spouse, and that may cause some issues in the, in the actual courtroom as well. Right. It's just important to remember that. And the other thing that courts will may inquire at a case conference, they may say, is this person going to be a witness? Uh, because the judge would be providing potentially settlement recommendations. Yes. Um, so if the person you want to bring is going to be a potential witness, they'll likely be excluded by the case management judge. If it's simply a family member or a friend who's there for moral support and isn't going to add any evidentiary um, down the, evidentiary evidence down the road. Right. right. Uh, they'll probably be allowed to sit in the courtroom, but in the back, not at right. counsel table. Right. And certainly would not be permitted to make submissions. Right. And oftentimes, um, the clients will keep their, their partner or their friend outside the courtroom. Right. Just so that way they can, you know, deal with it personally. And then once they come out, they can inform them as to what happened. In my informal rule, if it's a new boyfriend or girlfriend, I generally ask them to wait outside of the courtroom or maybe in a different part of the building. Oftentimes that may cause conflict or raise some emotions which may cause settlement to be more difficult. Just unnecessary tension is exactly. what it may cause. The other, the other side note I would say, if you're going to court or if you're bringing a support person, dress neatly, business casual it would be what I recommend. Do not wear a hat. Um, avoid wearing jeans. You're not going to be permitted to wear sunglasses in the courtroom. Yeah, don't chew gum. The, the judges don't like when you're chewing gum. They want to make sure you look as, as presentable as possible. There's a decorum that's expected. You can't be sitting there reading your newspaper while court's in session or on your cell phone. Um, so you're going to be, have to be mindful of, you know, right. business casual, church wear, whatever yeah. uh, would be appropriate. Be mindful of your attire and what you're wearing. So the next tip, uh, number eight, what do I bring to court? What should clients expect? So as, our, as your lawyers, we're going to be the ones who are, you know, filing all your materials, um, bringing all the necessary documents and information that needs uh, to, be, to be filed with the court. Obviously, if there are specific things that, you know, we ask the client to bring, you know, updated uh, financial information, receipts or whatnot, um, we will, of course, ask the client to bring that in. But other than that, uh, any information that um, or documents that the lawyer will will request of the client. And I also would recommend bring some reading material. Um, yeah, when, when court's not in session, you may be waiting a few hours, depending on how busy it is. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I know we're going to get to to how long you know clients should should plan to be at court, but there really is no way to know you know when your matter is going to be heard, even though you may be called for nine thirty or ten thirty. Um, there's no guarantee that you're going to be called at that time. So plan to be there for a majority of the day, I would right. say. Number nine, what will, my, will my lawyer be there to represent me? Well, of course, if your lawyer is retained to attend court and, and proceed on your behalf, of course, your, your lawyer will be there to attend for you. Uh, again, as discussed, they will be the one presenting the evidence to the judge, asking the judge their recommendations, answering any questions that the judge may have. You know, your lawyer will be the one having discussions with the opposing party or the mm -hmm. opposing lawyer to try to resolve any outstanding issues. And on occasion, um, sometimes we get double booked. So we may be in court on multiple files, one right. or two. So don't expect that your lawyer is necessarily going to be sitting beside you the entire day waiting with you. He or she may be speaking to another matter or maybe filing yep. some court documents or checking with the court register down downstairs at the main filing office. And oftentimes when that is the case, the lawyer will inform 
the, the, court's, the court security officer to advise them that they are they are there, they're attending, and they just need to deal with another issue at the time. And they'll pay the, if, if the matter comes up, they'll pay to the lawyer and Correct. the lawyer will be there yeah. within moments. Yes. All right, our fi final point today, and I want to thank you for being here today, Adam. This My has pleasure. been great information. Uh, this often comes easy to us because we're there every day. Yep. But we find these are common questions that we get. So, and you touched upon this a little bit. How long should clients be expected to uh, be in court when it's their day in court? I always advise my clients plan to be there for the day because we really have no idea how long your matter is going to take. It could take half an hour or an hour or really it could take all day depending on how busy the courthouse is, how busy the judge is, or how complex the settlement discussions are going. There's really no way to know uh, and we would advise you know, our clients not to book important things for later on in the afternoon and to take care of Medical you know, appointments. Medical or, appointments, child care right. uh, appointments, that kind of thing, because really there is no way to know. This isn't a movie where we go in at 1 o'clock and we're done at 3 o'clock. There, uh, there are things that come up in court that, that are kind of beyond our control, and we don't have any, any way to know how long things will proceed. Try to last. arrange for child care. Right. You know, generally speaking, the court starts to wind down at 4.30. If you're making progress, the judge may stay late. Yeah. You know, if you've resolved 90% of your case and it's just going to take another hour, uh, court could run late, so you may want to make sure you have arrangements in place for child care. Correct. The other tip I would give is try to arrive early. Um, parking is usually tough at busy courthouses. Remember, we've got the security you're going to need to go through. Yep. If you're going to a more major center, there could be four or five floors of courtrooms, so you're going to want to make sure you understand what floor you're on. And generally, if you're there maybe 20, 30 minutes early, uh, you may or may not beat your lawyer to the uh, courtroom, but you'll be ready to go and less stressed. And it's always good to get there a little bit beforehand, so that way you know where you're going, you know what courtroom you're going to be in, and then you can meet with your lawyer beforehand and kind of go through some tips and pointers for that day. Yeah. Great stuff today, Adam. I want to thank everybody who listened to today's podcast. We hope you've found it helpful, and tune in for more. Okay, take care. Thank you.